0: So I thought that was really pretty nifty. Uh, as you're looking through this, and I know I mentioned this in the past, so I don't dwell on it too much here, but keep an eye on the numbers. Um, the numbers change a lot. If you go, this first couple of chapters is about the counting of their leaving Mount Sinai. The next set of numbers, towards the end of numbers, is when we've already gone through a whole lot of mess. A lot of awful things that happened. And it's the generation getting ready to go into the land of of Israel. What's really fascinating is that the numbers don't match up hardly at all by tribe, but the overall number is almost identical. Um, And I think this really harkens back to what uh, Mordecai tells Esther. He tells her that, you know, if if you don't save the Jewish people, God can raise up another. And I feel like that point is almost made here with the tribes. It's like, God's going to have the right number of people going into the land of Israel. Whether your family was, you know, righteous enough, faithful enough, had enough, you know, kids or whatever, to be part of that group, that's up to you. But God is going to work it out so that it's going to be exactly the way that he
1: wants it to be. Yes, sir? Well, the thing that kind of pointed out to me this time was, because uh, a lot of times we look at the first section, it goes, you know, 42,100 people. Kind of kind of <laughs> but the thing that really popped out to me was every one of those tribes was an even number. And uh-huh. so I'm like, oh, well, they're just rounding up and down. But then when you get down to the other count where it talks about the, is it one month and above or two months and above, it's 42,353. So you're like, so was it an exact, was it an exact count? Mm. Or, or were they rounding? Were they round? Because one's, ra- it, yeah. if one's rounded the other one's not, or were they all perfect count? <laughs> yeah. So I can see that.
0: I, maybe you can be guys the a low CD. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just but anyway,
1: I just thought that was kind of unique because it's, like, it's, mean, it's count weird count how count these count are all count. coming out even yeah. numbers. And then all of a sudden, you get down to the other count, it's like, oh, well, wait a minute. This one's not even. So, anyway, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I noticed that
2: Judah was the largest number. It's yeah. Like
0: always. Judah is the leader. And I think that's another thing is the, the reason I bring up the counts. Um, did I see a hand over here? Okay, I'll skip you a second. The reason I break the counts is because if you look at the tribes that are that really explode, and you look at the tribes that are really pathetic in the second count at the end of numbers, oftentimes what you'll find is that those tribes that had really lost a lot usually were were lame tribes. They, you can find specific instances of a member of their tribe that really messed things up, really badly, and and you and I think that what the lesson it seems to teach is that your actions have consequences, not just for you. It actually has consequences for the next generation. Because what we're missing is that this count is almost irrelevant in terms of the overall history of things. The next count is the one that God uses to figure out, how, to sort out who gets what territory in the land of Israel. So this count was your starting point. You know they always say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Well, that's how they finished, so to speak, before going to the land of Israel. So you think about, like, as you're pointing out Judah, okay, we're like hundreds of years after Judah, but Judah, speaking of stepping out by himself, he took the lead with Joseph. He put himself on the line there, so to speak, to stand up for Benjamin, and his leadership of the the, the other brothers um, parlays itself into leading the whole nation and I think that that's something we have to keep in mind too it's like I think it's so easy, especially for those of us who are you know <clears throat> In your, as, you're, as, as for those of us who are like just getting started in life, it's so easy to almost lose sight of the fact that there's anything else beyond you, because it's like, well, up until now it's only been about me. So now it's like, okay, now it's about two of us, but you know, whatever. And it's like, I think it's harder to remember that like the things that I do today don't just affect me. Twenty years from now, they can be affecting my kids, my grandkids, other people's kids, um, and that's what happens here. Is these tribes, um, the ones that I mean, like I love one of my favorite ones is Dan. He has one son, and he has like sixty thousand in his tribe. By the time we get to one of these countings, and it's like, whoa, that, boy! I tell you, small beginnings, yeah. but wow, you know. And that's the idea is that like there's almost there's never a, there's always an opportunity to do better. But at the same time, you can mess up the future, so to speak, by mess, by by failing now. So it's a it's a it's a sobering thought, but encouraging at the same time. Yes, John.
3: I was gonna say I heard a couple weeks ago a really neat teaching. I think it was Rabbi Daniel Lappin, and it was he was pointing out that through all these sections where there's tons of names, where it's just really easy to kind of be like,
4: whatever, want to skip it or just
3: <laughs> snore your way through it and things like that. He he brought up the he made a really neat connection, saying that it's with your name that and and having a name associated with you that you still have your humanity, and it's, it's, it's the idea that Hashem really, actually truly cares about you, and he used the, uh, I don't think he used this example, but one of the ones that I thought of was, when we think about the Jews in the Holocaust, they were branded with numbers on mm-hmm. their arms, and um, there's also a, something unique to the IDF and to the American military and law enforcement, that they actually have their names on their uniforms, Whereas a lot of other uh, countries and cultures around the world, they don't. They just have like a number. You're like officer of such and such number. Hmm. And so as a result of that, your your humanity is lost. And so keeping the name, um, and since we do have a lot of numbers here as well, they're all still associated with a name. Hmm. X number associated with the tribe of Dan. X number associated with this mm-hmm. tribe, and so on and so forth. And they were so, counted by name, exactly. So it's it's, it, you know, whenever you whenever I start seeing those kinds of things, it's it's like, well, such. If you start going by numbers and not by name, it, it's you literally are just kind of you're just another number, like another you know, like in a big corporate. You know, type situation or something mm-hmm. like that where oh it's expendable and, and stuff like that, the name actually means that you're important. God cares about you and, and it. exactly. And there's a there's a role for each of the each and every single one of them. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, sir.
4: If you've ever if you've ever had uh, a relative pass away, you gotta go clean out their house. Invariably, you find a box, with a whole bunch of pictures, and or cards that somebody was saving. And you read through the cards, or you flip over the picture, and you look on the back, and it lists the names of the people in the picture. This is Aunt Sally with cousin Bertha, you know, and Uncle Schmedley, and stuff like that. And <laughs> you hear these names, and and you realize th- these these are my relatives. And it draws you back in time and makes you realize that you're just one in a long line and i I think as gentiles we just don't get it as you read through the beginning of this of this particular sefer we are reading if you're jewish you are reading your relatives Mm -hmm. the names of your family tree you know so oh you know i get it they're all cousins and everything But to be able to teach your kids, son, we're from the tribe of Dan, and that's your great 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 grandfather, and the number one person in our tribe that year was Grandpa So and So. It's almost like a. And uh, we named you after him. Yeah, it's almost. That's why you got that name. Like a high school uh, yearbook kind of thing. Yes. Here's our class president. Right. I mean, it's it's an amazing thing, and we don't get that. We read it, and we're just looking at funky names, a lot of which are hard to pronounce. Um, I think another thing to remember about these names is that after 200, 400, whatever number you want to use, I believe was uh, about 200 to 250 years of uh, captivity in uh, Egypt, 400 years from when uh, Abraham was told they were going to go down to Egypt. But over 200 years in captivity down there, Uh, as slaves and yet the vast majority if not all of these names have God's name in it or some variation thereof Mm -hmm. there was still a connection with their God Mm -hmm. whether they did right by Moses when he first showed up or not they still were looking and and associating themselves with the God of Abraham Isaac and
0: Jacob and I think there's a lot of redemption there because I think one of the things that's really interesting today um, the question comes up um, you got ask someone I know, but um, it's a question that comes up a lot is who is a Jew? What does that even look like? What does that mean? And actually, it's not a question, even though Orthodox Judaism has a definition, it's not a question that's particularly well defined within, within Jewish culture. Um, different Orthodox versions have their own rule. But it varies from different groups to different groups. And in the land of Israel, it's very complicated because they have an odd blend of religious and secular in the case. So, well, technically, you, your, your grandmother is Jewish, so you do count, but you don't actually are considered religiously Jewish, so therefore, you know, whatever. So it's, it's, it's not easy to figure out what's a Jew. Well, one of the things, when we were talking about Messiah in the study class, one of the things we found out, um, according to Ram, Ramban, I believe, Rambam, I'm not going to know until you tell me what it is you're talking about. But it's, um, I think it's Rambam, actually. It's the, uh, the, his commentary on the kings, the kings of the wars. It would be Rambam. Thank you. Um, he points out that one of the things Messiah is going to do is he is going to not only gather up all of the, the people of Israel from around the world, but he's going to figure out who they are. They'll clue them in as to what tribe they're part of. So he's actually a Danite. Them. That's mm-hmm. the thing. And so that's a big deal. So like he's going to do this. So you think about this point, because this point, um, I remember uh, That's a cool uh, deal. one of the guys way back in the day, um, one of the commentators, I think his name is David, but I can't, that wasn't the nickname that he actually went with, um, Rabbi son. He used to do commentaries on the Torah, I don't know, if he still does, it's been a long time. But um, one of the things he highlighted in this is that his belief was that that was sort of why this went. These guys had no idea half the time who what tribe they were in. They'd lost their history. It was really complicated and confusing. And you're right, they kept the names, but they were on the 49th out of 50, you know, levels of sin. So they had totally lost their culture. They weren't keeping hardly any of the rules anymore. They barely knew who their God was. And it's like, and so this was like a fresh start. This was a chance for Moses, supernaturally given the ability by God to say, you are this. So they were not only calling them out by name. But their tribe assignment was not a sense of, okay, so everyone in Dan, raise your hand. One, two, three, four. It was more the sense of, Shmuley, you're in Dan. One. Ehud, you're in Judah. One. You know, it's like it was more like that. It was figuring out who was in what tribe was, was almost a revelation to the person themselves. So if you think about that, that this this passage takes on a very redemptive nature to it, very much so like the way the Messiah returns. He will gather up all of the tribes, as, as, as um, Yeshua points out, from the four winds. He's going to bring them all in from all over the world. But they're going to be a hodgepodge. It's going to be a mess. I mean, they're going to have people who didn't even know they were Jewish. It's like they've been, they lost their great-great-great-grandparent, converted, tried to forget they were Jewish. The other grandparent was hiding from the Nazis. And, you know, I mean, it was just it's a nightmare. He's going to bring all the people together. And he's going to say, you're Dan, you're Judah, you're Levi. Congratulations, by the way. You know, you're Shemot. And he's going to lay them all out. And it's going to be a redemptive moment. Because as you pointed out, the names was one of the only things that they still had. These guys, I mean, I'm not, not speaking to Shemot and Rob, but in a, in, from a spiritual perspective, they were losers. Mm-hmm. They had gone through a lot of really bad things. They had really lost who they were. So this was God. So this was using a Messiah-like figure in Moses to bring the people back to God in a, in a completeness Almost overnight, and that's what we're celebrating starting tonight: is the giving of the Torah. In fifty days, they went from being losers to having such a high uh, uh, spirituality that they were able to receive the Torah from God Himself. They heard His voice. The only time in history an entire nation, you know, as it were, has has heard the commandments of God directly like that. Or I don't know, if they, in the prophets there might have been a weird occasion, but this is like this is it. This is the big one, and. They merited this in such a short amount of time because God does have that ability to change people, to redeem people and give us that opportunity.
1: Well I think it's I think it's amazing too how, you know, it wasn't you forty two thousand five hundred, you go over there. It was an individual count and your dad did a great job this week in Berean's about talking about lifting them up. You know, it's a lifting up thing. Yeah. Lift up again. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of times or at least the old Sunday school me and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know, you read it, you're like, okay, the first 17 verses, I can just, it's just numbers and stuff like that. But this is an yeah. amazing, I mean, this is an actual coming from God's mouth to to count each individual, 20 years, and then he goes and does their else too. But to me, that's just the impactful thing of this. Uh, you know, I was trying to think of a common sense today thing. It's almost like... It's almost like in the Olympics when they all come in with their different flags, and they don't. And, and you know, when you're in a certain event, they don't say, here's the United States team." They go, "Here's Jerry Wright, Joe Sutcher." You know, the American team, and so, yeah. you know, it, to me, I don't know. It just it, it brought a different light on it. That's really cool how he individually did every and, and going to what you just said, individually just picking or telling everybody. Uh, who they were what tribes uh, I don't will that. we
2: be assigned as Gentiles will we be assigned to a tribe or is there just a separate Gentile there's a,
0: there seems to be a hint although I think it obviously depends on the interpretation mm-hmm. um, in the prophets that we somehow get folded in that we're not just tribe number 14 I, I think folded in is the best way to put it it's like we're, we're not no really a part team.
4: of the group but you're allowed to be now <laughs> you're, you're. we get land well you don't get land and you are associated with a tribe um There's no indication. Although Christians like to think we're the tribe of Judah, because we came in through Yeshua, we'll have the best land, (laughs) (laughs) or we'll steal it, right? Yeah, exactly. Kill the guys that own it. it, Folding in, I think, is a great way of putting it because we're we're given land, we're given opportunity. We are. It's His house of prayer for all nations. It's going to be there, but there's no indication that we're all going to be under one tribe or we're going to be under a. 14th tribe or something like this it's not, it just doesn't say, but we are going to be counted among his people because there will be no distinction, it's his people, which I believe is how it has always been, these are my people these are not the Jews, these are my people kind of thing, so I got another one on a different topic uh, go for it, I think the topic is good <laughs> um, the book of Leviticus is named that way because it's all about the Levites the Levites um, but it's really not about the Levites it's really about a specific family in the Levites it's about the priests the whole thing is about the priests now we get the Levite stuff at the very beginning in chapter 1 and verse 47 um, the Levites were not listed among, along with them by their ancestral tribe then in the very next chapter chapter 2 verse 33 But the Levites were not listed among the people of Israel as the Lord commanded Moses. In chapter 3 and verse 15, List the sons of Levi, finally, by fathers' houses and by clans, every male from a month old and upward you shall list. And you alluded to it a minute ago. He didn't count all of the Jews. He only counted the ones that were 20 and older and could go to war. But he counted all of the Levites. I thought that was interesting. If you go back to... uh, uh, 151 we start to find out what these guys are going to do for a living mm-hmm. um, when the tabernacle is to set out it's the Levites that shall take it down and when the tabernacle is to be pitched and set up it's the Levites that shall set it up if any outsider comes near he shall be put to death so these guys were not only the schleppers and the builders of the tabernacle but they were the army they were also packing heat They were packing heat because it says in verse 33 The Levites shall camp around the tabernacle of the testimony. Why? So that there may be no wrath on the congregation of the people of Israel, which would come from God, and the Levites shall keep guard over the tabernacle of the testimony. So I thought that outsider thing was Gentile. It's not. Right? Um, They've got layers, even within Israel. If you look at that, that's czar, and it is literally a stranger. So. There it is. You've, um. got, you've
0: got it segregated. That's the thing, is to remember that um, God is holy, and that better explains the Gentile Israel distinction. Because um, it is odd. The question gets raised Is it ethnicity? Is it religion? Yes. It's kind of a weird thing in between. Um, but even within Israel, you have the priest and the rest of the people. Well, you get the, the Levites, you've got and the rest of the priests, the Levites, and the rest. And of the then, people. yeah, and
4: then you got the high priest, who's so one guy, and he right. gets to do a really exactly. special thing one time a year. Yeah. You know, so you got and, and, and the tabernacle is the same way, uh, where you see that it's specifically in the temple where you actually, as you draw closer, like if you're on the outside of this group of tents and whatnot, you're you're just in the camp. Um, and as you draw closer and you draw closer to the inside, you get closer to the tabernacle. You're now passing through the Levites. And then you pass through the priests. And then you get to the tabernacle. And just as in the in the uh, temple, you as you drew, drew closer to God and to his presence, you physically went up steps. You got higher and higher and higher. And you know, we've got uh, down in uh, 3.10, you shall appoint Aaron and his sons, and they shall guard their priesthood. But if any outsider comes near Again same word right it's czar. He shall be put to death So the Levites are protecting the tabernacle Proper and the priests Are protecting the priesthood All in an attempt To protect God's holiness So that no outsider can come in And to your point I do think that's the deal It's that we're no longer Outsiders We are in covenant relationship with God And that's but that doesn't mean we're going to run right into the Holy of Holies <laughs> and high five that, from that is a personal thing And yet there is a national identity Of people that he has Right. So I am never going to be a Jew But I will from now on Always be a member of his covenant And one of his people And he did Choose me He just didn't choose me The way he chose then Because <laughs> right. he chose a people He chose right. a nation
2: Right. Joseph, can I ask a question about the Levites being numbered? Because I think it's 2 47, it says but the Levites were not numbered among them and then it says in 49, only the tribe of Levi you shall not number Right, So then in, then, chapter, later it says then in chapter 3 he does among, count oh, okay. so I chapter thought The way I read it was that he didn't count the adult Levites he only counted the ones above one month old but he's saying if you're above one month then it's all, all the way up yeah. Yeah.
4: Okay. Yeah, I think the distinction is when he's counting everybody else, he makes it clear you're not counting the Levites. You just want to count the folks that are going to go to war. and are going to fight. The Levites don't do that because they protect the tabernacle. But later on, he does count them because then he goes into what you would have expected to read in Leviticus, I think. He goes through, okay, when when we're breaking this thing down, your team is going to do all the stuff that's in that room. You get the carpet, the wallpaper, and the light fixtures. You get anything that melts. You get anything that's heavy. And he breaks it all down, and then everything's got a bag. So when you're done breaking your stuff down, stuff it in the bag. And then we got another family who's also a Levite. When that family comes in, all they get to see is the stuff in the bags. They just see the bags. You guys schlep the bags to wherever we're going. When you get there, just put the bags down and walk away. Then you guys come back in, take it all out of the bags, and set it up. It's almost kind of like the... um
0: in, uh, in business, especially if you're in a business that has um, layers of information, I work at a bank, so we have layers of information. You've got your public information that anybody can know, then you've got like internal information that only employees should know, then you have confidential information that only business need to know should know, and then there's restricted information that only a very special, very important level of people within the overall group should know. <laughs> <laughs> right. And that's, I mean, you know, so it's like you've got all these little layers. And it's the same thing here. Exactly. The holiness of Hashem is so potent. It's so
4: intense that he has these layers. And I do want to key. Well, oh, oh, just one, one, one other comment is we never, I never heard it in the church. I never, I never, do we even read this? Right? This this is the boring book, right? Did you skip this stuff? We were never taught in, in the church that I'm aware of. That once you get past this book Once you finish what we're reading right now You can count Very clearly The number of people that would ever In their lifetime See the stuff inside mm-hmm. The tabernacle Yeah, That's shocking Weird, Because you were just talking about how we're taught We're going to high five God Or Jesus in the Holy of Holies Or something like that mm-hmm. That's so disrespectful It's so unbelievably dishonoring to God himself. And when you read this stuff, no wonder Jews look at Christians and go, are you nuts? I don't know what God it is you're serving, but it can't be mine, because we had a specific family that were the only ones, and even only certain family members were allowed to even see the stuff in there, let alone God.
0: Right, yes. And I think it's important that we keep that holiness of God in mind in our daily lives as well. It's like, if he was such a big deal, that we had layers of what personnel could see certain things, not even him, I mean, just things that were associated with him. True. And it's like, you know, I think, you know, and now as I'm thinking about it, it'd be joking about God kind of being a little CD. It's inappropriate. It's the point that I'm trying to get <laughs> at is we do need to keep that, that sanctity of God um, in our minds in the things that we do. Because whether you realize it or not, you're reflecting back on him, both to seen and unseen. Um, and one other point I want to get at, and we'll kind of wrap up our Bobby Barr section here, unless you have other comments someone wants to make. Um, they talk about the different groups, and one of the things I love about that section is they segregate the different um, uh, the different families within the Levites. You do this, you do that, and it reminds me um, it reminds me so much of Paul when he goes to the spiritual gifts discussion, and it's like you got some people who do this, and some people who do that, some people who do this, and and there's this. Um, and, that, and then there's a Jewish tradition that I've mentioned before, and I'll say it again now, that uh, back in the first temple, you could go to a Levite, and he would tell you, and they call it your place in the Torah. And what it means is, not that you weren't supposed to do all of it, but that there were some things you were just more naturally inclined to do. You were good at. Um, you know, and so it's like, finding those things helped you kind of maybe focus a little bit more. Not that you wouldn't try to do the other things, but they helped you just kind of, okay, so I can actually, you know, with God's help, I'm really good at this. So maybe I'll make that my, my ministry. I'll make that my, my focal point. It's like, I'm really good at charity, so maybe I'll I'll teach people about charity, or or I'm really good at hospitality, you know, like these guys, I've good on the couch, you know, and so I'll have people in my house on like a bi-weekly basis or more, you know, so it's like, but I'm trying to get that, that vision, and I think that's really helpful and really cool, and even though we don't have the same um, level of prophecy that they had then to be able to understand that, I do think that Paul hits a, hits a point there, kind of, of figuring out, like not to say you don't want to do all of it, but it's like maybe you find something that you're good at or you have a passion for within the Torah, and and maybe you try to flesh that out, try to make that more, try to make that something special, um, you know. Try to find something that's really neat, you know. There, I think everyone's encouraged to teach, but some people are encouraged to teach different people. Some guys, like these men in the corners here, stand up in front of huge rooms of people and teach fifty or sixty men, and that's great. And some people are really only built to teach their families. And so trying to figure out, like, where has God put you, what opportunities he's given you, and seeing that all of that is beautiful because it all works together. And that even though maybe you're not a, a, a you know, oh my goodness, a rabbi, I going to say pastor. Wow, wrong, wrong error. <laughs> you're not in that category. It doesn't mean that your contribution is less. Because I mean, some of these guys, it's like, you, you got a poll. It's like, great, I get to carry the pole, you know, whatever that's supposed to do with that. But if that guy wasn't carrying the pole, no one's carrying the pole, and we set the whole thing up, we're going, ah, oh, no, we're missing the pole. How do we miss a pole? You know, but they had the guy assigned to do the pole. And I think that that's really important, you know, for us as well, to, to realize that we have these, these roles to play in our service of God, um,
2: well, and that's the body parts, too, right? Right, the and toe, different pieces. The the mm-hmm.
0: And again, it's not to say, because I, I think that sometimes in spiritual gifts we get like, almost like it's a personality test, and it's like, I'm good at hospitality. Forget prayer. <laughs> I'm good at hospitality. And it's like, that's not the point. The point is not to ignore the other things. Mm-hmm. But the idea is to figure out what you're really good at and then hopefully like, emphasize that. So.
1: Now, I, wonder, I wonder if their attitude back there was, oh, man, I got the pole. Or, <laughs> or was it man, look what I get to do, you know, and I'm assuming that's what everybody's at. Or, man, I wish I was a Levite, you know. In my mindset, I'm I'm thinking that's the way it was. Well,
4: I I think it was both sides, Jerry, right? Because we see that um, Korah was a little dissatisfied with his Yeah, he didn't do so well, right? And poorly. But but the rest did not appear to have that kind of mindset. And, And I suspect that there was you know, a real proudness about the fact that God said I made you a Levite because I want you nearby and I want you to do this and I want you to protect me. I mean, that's that's like a, a, yeah. a commander-in-chief speaking to his, you know, his secret service agent in the, in the Oval Office quietly and, and just thanking him for being there. I mean, that, yeah. I, I like to think that that was the way, but yeah. I'm, I'm sure, you know, as, as Cora has an example, yeah. probably all did. I got one more thing before you leave, if we could. I just want to bring Paul up. Since you were bringing Paul up, I was going to say this for Jerry, but... Oh, Jerry. (laughs) (laughs) Wait a second. Okay, great. (laughs) Uh, So um, I I, I find it odd when I read Paul that he says several times that he's treating some of the believers as his own children. Um, You may remember that uh, he says... uh, I don't write these things, 1 Corinthians 4, to make you ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. That's interesting. He says to uh, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child, um, he says um, later on uh, that he is uh, earnestly trying to uh, to get the ch- his children, like he's trying to, Uh, Galatians 4 my little children for whom I am again in the anguish of childbirth until Christ is formed in you Um, he's really uh, going through that and I just I just found it odd Uh, but it's actually right here in chapter 3 Um, it starts out in verse 1 these are the generations of Aaron and Moses by the way I'm I'm quoting from a a Chabad or Rabbi uh, Sachs or somebody Um, but I can't remember it uh, these are the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke with Moses at, on Mount Sinai So I figure, okay, well, now we're going to get there was Gershom and there was the other kid and, and all of that These are the names of the sons of Aaron <laughs> Nadab, the firstborn Abihu, Eleazar and Itamar. These are the names of the sons of Aharon, the anointed priest whom he ordained to serve as priests He read through the rest of the Bible and we never get to <laughs> Moses at all So why does it say these are the generations of Aaron and Moses at the time when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai? And it's interesting, even though it says that he was speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, this is one of the few times where Aaron is actually put first. Now he's older, but it's one of the first times that he's actually put first. And he talks about it. So where does Moses fit in? Now what the sages have said evidently is that this is the value of sharing Torah knowledge, teaching the Torah, to other men and women. Because as you teach the Torah, they become like your children. And there's a bond there that will always be there. And it's almost like a father-son bond. And Moses taught Aaron how to be a priest. He showed him and taught him the Torah. And it says specifically, when the Lord spoke with Moses on Mount Sinai here's what we got from Aaron so the sages say Aaron's sons are Moses' spiritual descendants they are his children and Paul used exactly the same metaphor when he shared the Torah the living Torah with people that he met Jew or Gentile they became his children and he labored for them and was concerned about them and I just think for us that should be our focus I, I think the evangelism thing gets kicked into, into high gear in the church a whole lot more than it ought without the requisite follow up as we all agree that makes disciples and therefore spiritual heirs those that we can be proud of and those that will be witnesses for us when we stand in the judgment yeah. I have a question I'm not sure if
2: now's the about time but you, you spoke about Sean Woke being Celebration of the giving of the Torah, but do we also celebrate the giving of the Spirit on the anniversary of Shavuot?
0: You can you can mark that as well. The Holy Spirit dissension in Acts is so I think sometimes misunderstood by the church because they tend to focus it as though somehow the Spirit never was in the people of God before then, or it had
4: never come down in that manner before either.
0: But actually, I'm sure you probably have heard um, there's a midrashic a commentary, a tradition that holds that the first giving of the Torah
4: looked very similar. To the passage in Acts 2. Um, and, and not by accident. I right. Mean, right. It's our understanding that they wrote it the way they did in Acts, so that we would all realize, guys, this
0: looks familiar. This right. happened before. Right. Holy and, cow. And if you See studied, this movie. If you study the <laughs> quote-unquote Holy Spirit from a context of Judaism, right. it's not the way that Christianity tends to make it, which is like somehow this is like a hyper-conscious or something. Holy Spirit is... A intimacy and a revelation of God that takes a lot of effort to obtain. They don't teach in Judaism that it's only for certain people, and like an elite kind of concept, except that it's only for certain people who've achieved a level worthy of Holy Spirit. So it's like you have to be so holy and so righteous, so have purified yourself, that you're, you're a vessel that can connect with God, because Holy Spirit is considered to be like, one interpretation that I've heard is it's like the lowest level of prophecy so it's like as you move closer to revelation of God, that's like the first big step, so to speak, so the giving of the Holy Spirit, I think, in the apostolic writings, is really probably more tailored to that concept, in other words what God does there and what I think God does for us as well is he gives us almost like a bonus, you really didn't earn this the way that some people have to and I'm giving this to you as like a special um, deal, so to speak, you know, this weekend only. You know, it's like, believe in my son, here's a special bonus on this. Because Yeshua talks about that too. He talks about the Spirit coming down, baptizing the Holy Spirit. It's a big deal. So the Holy Spirit is that connection with God that is special, absolutely. But it isn't to say that other people don't have it or that they can't get it. It's just a different method, so to speak.
4: To your point, um, as we read in the, in the Tanakh, Oftentimes, it was the Nazarites that had this uh, unction, if you will, or the Spirit would come upon them, even when they weren't doing too well, because they had been set apart and were so different, holy, set apart. Um, Samson. Right. You know, he's got that gift of prophecy, he's got the strength. Saul gets it momentarily. Saul, you've got uh, uh, Elijah. Which you explains know, why David John says, the Don't take it from me.
0: See, Christians look at it and they go, Well, he can't that's silly. Why would he say that? Because I mean he can't be unsaved, he can't lose the spirit. But that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about that connection. There's that special spiritual link to Hashem that is unique. And I do think that there does seem to be an implication, and I don't know I, I haven't fleshed it out in my own head exactly what the theology of it is, but there does seem to be an implication by the Apostolic Writers and by Yeshua himself that somehow with his death and resurrection and his coming to earth and leaving that his people get a special deal going on there. I don't know how that works. I don't know how that applies from to throughout the ages, but I don't know. let's say it's something we ignore. Um, so yeah,
4: Chazal say that in messianic days, we will all prophesy. And I tend to think that that's what Paul says when he's talking about spiritual gifts. I wish that you would all prophesy. Or speak in tongues, you know, because this is going to come when Messiah comes. But in the meantime, this is what we've got, and and do this. So I'm just shocked that once again, and I'm always reminded when I see you of how little we learned in the church, especially when we were both teaching, you know, and we just never got introduced to it. But the idea that what Jews have been celebrating for 3,000 years on Mount Sinai once a year is exactly what happened again with the giving of the living Torah, just like the written Torah, is, I think, where our message should be to the church. When the written Torah was given by the words of God, this, this wild and crazy stuff happened with spirit and speaking in tongues and rushing wind and stuff like that. Holy cow, look at this when the living word was giving, and we are we recognize who he is, the same deal goes on. And yeah. it, It's, it's we, we special, but at the same time, it's also
0: almost more about a stamp of approval, I think, in Acts 2. Less about, like what? A seal. Yeah, it's almost less about, like, um, new religion starting now, who wants to sign up? It's definitely more the idea of, like, Okay, so that guy that you all killed, that some of you saw resurrected and the rest of you somehow missed, mm-hmm. yeah, this is the proof that that was real. So it is important, but I, um, I don't like... The, I don't, I, I, and I appreciate the way you phrased that. I never i never appreciated it when people were like, the start of the church was on X 2. It's like... Um, yeah. like well, what are the apostles doing then? Yeah. I mean, like, at the very least, let's at least go, you know, it's like, what, Yeshua
1: didn't start the church? Come on. You know, but, um, no. Well, given we to into the Gentiles still, even later on, right? Oh, so right. No, there's no Gentiles the Jews, in that whole book. Yeah. That whole book Gentiles, is not Gentiles. It's like
0: Acts, um, that's, um, the, the word is, ex- ten, yeah. is it yeah. 9 or 10? Yeah. 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 It's so. way later. All those
4: different languages were to Jews. we were from all over the world. That's right. So. Because Jews from all over the world were gathered there. Why? Shavuot. Because yeah. they were obedient. Yeah.
0: It's um, we should really regular. move on here, I think, before we we'll lose. No, 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 no. That's I'm a good trying. question. I'm glad you Oh okay, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, I just I want to make sure that we have a chance to get through this real quick before we so we don't run late, since we had promised to end early, and that's that we're not, may not be able to do that now.
4: Oh, one well, real quick. I just before we miss it because I missed it last year. Remember, it said several, twice that the Levites are protecting the tabernacle from strangers. If a stranger draws near, he's put to death. Remember when uh, Nadav and Abihu brought down the strange oh, yeah, fire? Yeah, strange fire. It's the same word. That's cool. Zor. That was cool.
0: I like that. No, okay. you remember. Right. Um, so uh, I know that some of us have the text. I don't know if all well, if the you have your time. sitter,
4: it's in your sitter. So we can yeah. just flip to the sitter. Um, I'd be happy to.
0: Um, uh, I think what we should maybe the best thing is just a few of us just kind of read through it. This one's pretty short, actually. This is one of the shortest ones. Um, only a handful of pages. Each one is kind of lengthy, but they're, they're not that many. Um, just kind of read through it relatively quickly. If you have a really cool point, go ahead and say it, um, but we don't need to highlight every little detail because, as we learned last week at the Berkeley vote session, you can easily spend the next two hours talking about this. We don't have time for that, so um, like I said, if you have like a you know red letter point you want to make, do that. But otherwise, um, we'll just kind of read through it and sort um, of the lessons here. So... Um, do you have? Take it a circular the
5: Sure. Um, there are a couple up here. What page is it on? It's on page five eighty one
0: in the in those stores. eighty one. We're on chapter six, um, and of course, just as a background, if you haven't been this before, Vote um, is we have six chapters of it. It is the lessons of the fathers, chapters of the fathers, and it's like kind of like a proverb, so to speak, from the sages who are. Um, after the end of like Malachi, you know that time period. So it's like moving up until past Yeshua, all the way up into like um, the early formations of Rabbinic Judaism. So it
4: starts with the pairs, the Zuko.
0: Right. So we get like their highlights, so to speak, their their best best hits of their quotes, and we do those for the six weeks leading up between Pesach and Shavuot. This year, because of a weird calendar deal, we actually had one Shabbat we took off at the beginning because it didn't line up perfectly, but this is the last one, right before Shavuot. And we'll jump in. So I will, um, I'll go ahead and just read the little intro and the first one, and then I'll just kind of, you know, we can go around. People have to start up. All Israel is a share in the world to come, as it is said, and your people are all righteous. They shall inherit the land forever. They are the branch of my planting, my handiwork, in which to take pride. The sages taught this chapter in the language of the Mishnah. Blessed is he who chose them and their teaching. Rabbi Meir said... Whoever engages in Torah study for its own sake merits many things. Furthermore, the creation of the entire world is worthwhile for his sake alone. He is called friend, beloved. He loves the omnipresent. He loves his creatures. He gladdens the omnipresent, he gladdens his creatures. The Torah clothes them in humility and fear of God. It makes him fit to be righteous, devout, fair, and faithful. It moves him away from sin and draws him near to merit. From him, people enjoy counsel and wisdom, understanding, and strength. As it is said, minor counsel and wisdom, I am understanding, mine is strength. The Torah gives him kingship and dominion and analytical judgment. The secrets of the Torah are revealed to him. He becomes like a steadily strengthening fountain and like an unceasing river. He becomes modest, patient, and forgiving of insults to himself. The Torah makes him great and exalts him above all things. i got to study more. I know. <laughs> I, that going. I do not have all those yet. Got a little more work to go. Someone in the back here? Want to?
1: Rabbi Yehoshua Bain Levy said, Every single day a heavenly voice emanates from Mount Horeb, proclaiming and saying woe to them to the people because of their insult to the Torah. For whoever does not occupy himself with the Torah is called rebuked. As it is said, like a golden ring in a swine's snout, is a beautiful woman who turns away from good judgment. And it says, the tablets are God's handiwork, and the script was God's script for us engraved on the tablets. Do not read karas engraved, but karus, freedom. For you can have no freer man than one who engages in the study of the Torah. And anyone who engages in the study of the Torah becomes elevated. As it is said, from Matana to Nachaleel, and from Nachaleel to Barmos. Barmos. That, that, I think, deserves some explanation. That last little line
0: there is quoting from Numbers, where we have this odd listing of all the different places they go visit. And according to tradition, that, that is all, if you look at the Hebrew words, it all means different things. And they say that, basically, Midrash pulls all sorts of commentary. This means this applies to this. This is how we learn how you get to do this, and, and all this. They have all sorts of cool interpretations. Those Hebrew names of these locations they travel, Matana is gift. Nachaliel, I believe, is um, uh, inheritance. Well, inheritance. Inheritance, in, yeah, your, in And then Bamot is elevation, like uh, heights. Like heights. So the idea being you get the gift of the Torah, you claim it as an inheritance, and then you're elevated. <laughs> so cool. Yeah, and they pulled all that from this random obscure verse in numbers. That's cool. Yeah. I like that. Okay. Anyway, um, Juliana, would you like to read number three?
5: He who learns from his fellow man a single chapter, a single halakha, a single verse, a single Torah statement, or even a single letter must treat him with honor. For thus we find in the case of David, king of Israel, who learned nothing from Achitophel except for two things, yet called him his teacher, his guide, his intimate, as it is said, you are a man of my measure, my guide, and my intimate. One can derive from this the following. If David, king of Israel, who learned nothing from Achitophel except for two things, called him his teacher, his guide, his intimate, one who learns from his fellow man a single chapter, a single halacha, a single verse, a single statement, or even a single letter, how much more must he treat him with honor? And honor is due only for Torah. As it is said, the wise shall inherit honor, and the perfect shall inherit good. And only Torah is truly good. As it is said, I have given you a good teaching. Do not forsake my Torah.
4: This goes right back to what I was saying about Aaron and Moses mm-hmm. and learning, teaching others. Mm-hmm. Very true.
0: I kind of respect those who mm-hmm. teach you. Um, Glennis, would you like to read number four?
3: Sure.
5: This is a way of talking. This is the way of Torah. Eat bread with salt, bring water in small measure, sleep on the ground, live a life of deprivation, but oil in the Torah if you do this. You are praiseworthy and all this world with you. You are praiseworthy in this world and all this well with you in the world to come.
0: Amen. I've read there's different uh, approaches to uh, this concept, but according to my commentary, this is saying asceticism is not being advocated here. Um, one is not supposed to get rid of their, the wealth that they've accumulated in order to study Torah. Rather, the idea is it's a general call for moderation and also an address to those who don't have something. So it's like, just because you're poor doesn't mean you can't study. Um, and also, I think it also keeps in mind, it's kind of like um, Paul's comment, he who has godliness with contentment has great gain. You know, it's like, you have to choose.
1: Choose Torah. Yeah. Can you almost see that as the opposite? If you're wealthy, doesn't mean you shouldn't Stop. Oh, I thought you said
0: poor.
1: We said both. Oh, i oh, say sorry, poor, but No, that's I a good podcast. point. Yeah, if you're wealthy, also don't stop. <laughs> not, don't stop. Don't that's
0: stop.
1: he's
2: You don't have to get rid of it all just because you're wealthy. Because I
1: would almost think a wealthy person say, look, I've been blessed and I'm good to go. Obviously, you know? I don't need to say poor. <laughs> <anymore>. I must <laughs> be doing so well, yeah. God has blessed me. No. Yeah, no, that would be a
0: mistake. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, actually, we just got done last week talking about this section where um, the idea was that, like, basically God gives and he takes away. Mm-hmm. It's amazing how fast... Yeah. That can change for people, so, you know. Mm-hmm.
2: Appreciate what well, you got it. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, could be gone but
0: ultimately keep your focus straight here. And right. I think that's, that's the point of this little trash. Yep. Rebecca.
5: Do not seek greatness for yourself, and do not crave honor. Let your performance exceed your learning. Do not lust for the table of kings, for your table is greater than theirs, and your crown is greater than their crown, and your employer is trustworthy to pay you your remuneration for your deeds.
4: Mm. The employer there is gone. Capitalized. Right. Yeah. Let
0: your performance exceed your learning. Always do more. That's cool. Mary. Torah
5: is even greater than priesthood or royalty. For royalty is acquired along with 30 prerogatives, and the priesthood with 24 gifts. But the Torah is acquired by means of 48 qualities, which are study, attentive listening, articulate speech, intuitive understanding, discernment, awe, reverence. Modesty, joy, purity, ministering to the sages, closeness with colleagues, sharp discussions with students, deliberation, knowledge of scripture, Mishnah, limited business activity, limited sexual activity, limited pleasure, limited sleep, limited conversation, limited laughter, slowness to anger, a good heart, faith in the sages, acceptance of suffering, knowing one's place, being happy with one's lot, making a protective fence around his personal matters, Claiming no credit for himself, being beloved, loving the omnipresent, loving his creatures, loving righteous ways, loving justice, loving reproof, keeping far from honor, not being arrogant with his learning, not enjoying halach decision making, sharing his fellow's yoke, judging him favorably, setting him on the truthful course, setting him on the peaceful course, thinking deliberately in his study, asking and answering, listening and contributing to the discussion, learning in order to teach learning in order to practice, making his teacher wiser, pondering over what he's learned, and repeating a saying in the name of one who said it. For you've learned this, whoever repeats a thing in the name of the one who said it, brings redemption to the world, as it is said, and Esther said to the king in the name of Mordecai. That,
4: one that one's worth framing. That, that one's was a good there. one. It's got quite a list there.
0: Yeah. Um, I think, I, I, I like the idea of all of these different things. Like, it really starts to make you wonder. It kind of looks like a checklist. It's like, ooh, not doing that one. Mm-hmm. Ah, okay. Oh,
4: I have to do that? <laughs> I'll tell you, as a teacher, you look, soft- I mean, without even knowing the list. These are, these are the things that a teacher looks for in the students that he's mm-hmm. teaching. Because they're the ones that you can start to count on mm-hmm. that, will, that will give input in class. And these are the ones where the discerning teacher will know to shut a person down. If we have a visitor come and they start talking, you can tell that you need to shut them down because they don't exhibit a lot of these traits. Mm-hmm. So they haven't earned the right to speak and potentially derail somebody else. Right,
0: yeah.
5: Josh, I was just remembering a quote from the Screwtape letters, because I was recently exposed mm-hmm. to that again. And um, there's this one part in it where he's trying to you know, tell him, Obviously, pride is the great sin that he's trying to get the guy to do. And he says, um, if he's starting to get humble, just tell him when he's, you know, that he's, when he's being humble. Look how humble I am. <laughs> and then he's like prideful all over again, even just to himself. So he's not like exhibiting that, but he right. is anyway. And you won't even see that in people now. Like, if you read this list, don't go down and be like, I'm going to be really humble, and I'm going to do this and this and this with the wrong motives, because you'll end up being them anyway mm-hmm. on the inside. With right. like the wrong like intention. Just trying to come off like doing these things and then people realize you're not really like that or there's something off about it.
0: Yeah, that's true. That's the thing is I think that one of the things that Judaism encourages is you adjust the inside by changing your outside actions, but you try to do introspection on the inside so that you make sure that your inside is matching your actions. So it's like you you your primary Response is to change the things that you do because that's the thing you have the most control over, but you don't lose sight of the fact that it should also bleed in. Right. And if it's not, then that's a problem, and you need to work on that. Mm-hmm.
3: To that point, um, before service this morning, Gabby and I were reading Psalms, and the one for her her birthday is, is 14. So we read Psalm 14. I, I read that every day for her. And, well, in it, there's the line that says... Hashem looks down from heaven to see if there's a reflective man, comma, one who seeks God. So it's when you're, and you know, it goes on later to say that there's not, you know, one good on the earth and, and everything like that, talking about the, the pagan nations and everything. But but the the concept of this is what Hashem is looking for in us. You know, you are, it's it, it makes it synonymous. You're seeking God if you're reflective, if you're mm-hmm. reflecting within yourself and constantly looking to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. And so this is, it, the two become synonymous at that point. So it's like, it's a lot bigger deal than we think. And I, I think most of our culture treats it anyway. I really like the
0: idea in Judaism where they have like a thing you like a check, self-check you do at the end of the day. Um, I used to try and check things as I went throughout the day, and I lost track of the things I checked and I hadn't checked, and I was just depressed because you, you, <laughs> you do a lot of stupid things during the day. But when you get to the end of the day, it's a good opportunity to just kind of recap highlights. Okay, this, this didn't go so well. This definitely was bad. This worked, doing that again, you know, whatever. And um, that's a really helpful way, as you're saying, to kind of do that introspection and think about it. Hashbone,
4: ha of the
0: sword. Torah study and Heshman and Nefesh are listed as two of the primary things you should do if you want to deepen your relationship with God. Amen. So, This is right, if you would take number seven.
2: Great is Torah, for it confers life upon its practitioners, both in this world and in the world to come. As it is said, for they, the teachings of the Torah, are life to those who find them, and healing to his entire flesh. And it says, it shall be healing to your body and narrow to your bones. And it says, it is a tree of life to those who grasp it, and its supporters are praiseworthy. And it says they are a garland of grace, a garland of grace for your head, and necklaces from your neck, and it says it will give you your head, a gar- give to your head a garland of grace, a crown of glory it will deliver to you. And it says, indeed, through me, the Torah, your days shall be increased, and years of life shall be added to, to you. And it says lengthy days are at its right, and at its left are wealth and honor, and it says for lengthy days and years of life and peace shall they add to you.
1: Great. Mr. Wright, you number eight. Uh, Rabbi Shimon ben Yehuda says in the name of Rabbi Shimon ben y- Yochai, beauty, strength, wealth, honor, wisdom, old age, hoary age, and children, uh, these befit the righteous and befit the world. As it is said, ripe old age, it's a crown of splendor. It can be found in the path of righteousness. And it says, the crown of the aged is grandchildren, and the splendor of children is their fathers. And it says, the splendor of young men is their strength, and the glory of old men is hoary age. And it says, the moon will grow pale, and the sun shall be shamed, when Adonai, master of legions, will have reign on Mount Zion and in Jerusalem, and honor shall be before his elders. Rabbi Shimon ben uh, Menasaige said uh, these seven qualities that sages attribute to the righteous were all realized uh, in Rabbi and his sons I like
4: that you got more of that old age thank you I <laughs> appreciate that well you got the old age not the old age. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Martin would have gotten the hori
0: old age <laughs> <laughs> <You're right. Yeah. laughs> Johnny you get number nine
3: Rabbi Yose Ben-Kizma said, Once I was walking on the road, when a certain man met me. He greeted me, and I returned his greeting. He said to me, Rabbi, from what place are you? I said to him, I am from a great city of scholars and sages. He said to me, Rabbi, would you be willing to live with us in our place? I would give you thousands upon thousands of golden dinars, precious stones, and pearls. I replied, Even if you were to give me all the silver and gold, precious stones and pearls in the world, I would dwell nowhere but in a place of Torah. And so it is written in the book of Psalms by David, king of Israel I prefer the Torah of your mouth, both thousands in gold and silver. Furthermore, when a man departs from this world, neither silver nor gold, nor precious stones, nor pearls escort him, but only Torah study and good deeds, as it is said When you walk, it shall guide you. When you lie down, it shall guard you. When you awake, it shall speak on your behalf. When you walk, it shall guide you in this world. When you lie down, it shall guard you in the grave. And when you awake, it shall speak on your behalf. That is the world to come. And it says, Mine is the silver, and mine is the gold, says Hashem, Master of Legions. Wow.
0: Yeah, that was pretty cool. I love the way that he breaks down that when you walk, when you lie down. Mm-hmm. I thought it, was, it always kind of makes that little poignant for me. Um, Gabby, do you want to try to read the next one? Do you want to pass it off to Mrs. Petrini? We'll pass it off.
4: That's fine. Five possessions did the Holy One, blessed is he, acquire for himself in his world, and they are. Torah, one possession. Heaven and Earth, one possession. Abraham, one possession. Israel, one possession. The Holy Temple, one possession. From where do we know this about the Torah? Since it is written, Adonai acquired me the Torah at the beginning of his way before his works in time of yore. From where do we know about this of heaven and earth, since it is written? So says Adonai. The heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house can you build for me and where is the place of my rest? And it says, how abundant are your works, Adonai. With wisdom you made them all. The earth is full of your possessions. From where do we know this about Abraham, since it is written? And he blessed him and said, blessed be Abraham of God the Most High, who acquired heaven and earth. Where do we know this about the people of Israel? Since it is written, Until your people passes through Adonai, until it passes through, this people you acquired. And it also says, But for the holy ones who are in the earth, and for the mighty, all my desires are due to them. From where do we know this about the holy temple? Since it is written, your dwelling place which you, Adonai, have made, the sanctuary, my Lord, that your hands established. And it says, And he brought them to his sacred boundary, to this mountain, which his right hand acquired.
0: I love the fact that he equates, he lists them out. We have Torah, Abraham, Israel, Holy Temple. Heaven and Earth are one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I think it's so cool that Abraham and Israel get like the same level as Heaven and Earth. It's like, you, like, it's like you look at the things at the shelf. It's like, Torah, Heaven and Earth, Abraham. You know, it's like, yeah. he owns them all. That's Mom, if you'll, you'll bring us home here in this last one, and I'll wrap it up.
5: All that the Holy One, blessed is he, created in his world, he created solely for his glory,
2: as it is said. All that is called by my name, indeed, it is for my glory, and I have created it, formed it, made it. And it says, Adonai shall reign for all eternity.
0: Amen. What a great one. Rabbi Hananiah ben Akashia says, The Holy One, blessed is he, wished to confer merit upon Israel. Therefore he gave them Torah and its vote in abundance, as it is said. Adonai desire for the sake of its righteousness that the Torah may great and glorious. Amen. Right.
4: Thank you, Joshua. Thank you. Thank
0: you.